0: My name is Anna Lieberman. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Here are the three biggest stories from the past week. Wednesday, the Center for Bioethical Reform took to the EMU lawn to promote a national tour called the Genocide Awareness Project. The large scaffolding featured graphic images and Holocaust comparisons in the name of, quote, prenatal justice and the right to life for the unborn, unquote. This is according to their website. Tuesday, Last May, the University Senate discovered sexist and racist correlations in the results of student course evaluations. The University Faculty Senate has now formed a targeted task force that is working to build course evaluations which are less biased and more informative. Then, also on Wednesday, the UO Senate announced that the UOPD will be acquiring semi-automatic rifles, tasers, and a bomb-sniffing dog to improve campus safety. Today is Saturday, October 21st. You are listening to the Daily Emerald Weekly News Wrap-Up. My name is Alec Cowan, and I'm the senior podcast editor with The Daily Emerald. I'm Michael Tobin, and I'm a senior news reporter for The Daily Emerald. Our lead story today, on Wednesday, the Center for Bioethical Reform set up a large scaffolding with graphic images on the EMU lawn. The Genocide Awareness Project, as it's called, is designed to advocate for the rights of the unborn and bring attention to prenatal justice. The Tower of Images was erected at Lane Community College last Monday and Tuesday and was featured on the UL campus both Wednesday and Thursday this week. And Michael, you've been covering both the anticipation of this demonstration and also the reactions to it. What can you tell us about the project and its organizers?
1: Yeah, that's right, Alex. So this was a national tour. They were at Lane Community College um, earlier in the week, and then they are also at Portland State University. Um, This is a tour of the Pacific Northwest. Um, Jacqueline Hawkins, the minority outreach director for the project, said that she'd gotten a gamut, which is the word that she used in responses. Some students told her that they were thankful for the display and that it made them really think about the issue, which I guess can be more explicitly labeled as abortion, but they had students come from pretty much any viewpoint you could think of. She told me that um, one student told her, F you.
0: And there was always a crowd of protesters, as you're saying there as well, so what were they doing to disrupt the tower?
1: More than anything, there was a lot of dialogue between people who were protesting around the tower. They were holding up sheets, but they were also talking to some of the people who were doing the demonstration. There was one protester that shook the barricades around it, but other protesters were pretty quick to condemn that action and tell them to stop. Um, They stopped after that, and I didn't see any other shaking that happened. Mm. Uh, But like I said, they had barricades set up to keep students from actually getting close to the images. So what students ended up doing was tying these large sheets, like I mentioned earlier, like big bed sheets and tarps and that kind of thing. They tied them to some poles, and they were using those to block the images.
0: And it was okay for them to do that?
1: Yeah, no, it's totally fine for them to do that because they were only blocking a certain portion of the image and people could still see the images if they went from a different angle. I talked to Tobin Klinger. He's a UO spokesperson. He said that it's within their constitutional rights to do that. There's also a UOPD present there to keep an eye on everyone, which isn't really uncommon. Kelly McIver, the UOPD's public information officer, said that police presence at large demonstrations, there's been several this year, is particularly normal. And the UOPD is there to make sure that the demonstration and counter-protest can
0: happen peacefully. So, as you just kind of alluded to, what is the free speech side of this whole issue? So there's a lot of buzz about respecting the rights of the
1: project to be on campus around the week before it was set to go up. I've seen flyers passed around preparing students for it. There was an email sent out to students from ASUO as well as Kevin Marbury, who is uh, interim vice president of Student Life. But the genocide Awareness Project followed all the correct procedures to be here, and that's why they were able to do it. They were within their constitutional rights and they filed all of the proper paperwork and they followed the process to be here so they could be here. Um, with that said, there were some negative reactions with this being such a hot button issue. The College Republicans, which some might think of as having a more traditional stance on the issue, they are a pro-life organization, um, thought that the argument that the Genocide Awareness Project was making was way too aggressive. Their vice chair, Aaron Rubios told me that as a pro-life student, he felt as if his group could make arguments through more factual and logical manners. And the College of Democrats' president, Hannah Argento, also told me that the project's use of the word genocide was an insensitive comparison, which grossly manipulates the term.
0: Groups inside the EMU, like the Women's Center, also provided some services for students looking for counseling because of the traumatic images, as well as information on organizations like Planned Parenthood. That's
1: right. The Women's Center acted as kind of a uh, safe space for people who may have been affected. They were offering um, counseling in there. They were also giving people uh, coloring books and Play-Doh, and they were passing out food and water to protesters. So they were really trying to do the best they could to accommodate students who were
0: affected by this. For our second story, the Faculty Senate is looking to tackle what they've seen as racist and sexist correlations in the results of student course evaluations. This has led the Faculty Senate to look at creating course evaluations that allow less room for bias and are more informative. Hannah Connick reported this story. So, Michael, how did this information come to light?
1: So, some intensive research from universities all across the country, and not just the U of O, suggested that instructors who are um, particularly women of color are actually receiving lower evaluation scores overall, even though their students had higher performance in both entry and higher level courses. I wrote a story about this earlier in the year, and it's also people who are shorter. kind of interesting as well there's a lot of like factors that go into why people are rated poorly so bill harbaugh who's the co-chair of the new evaluation task force is looking at course evaluations and making sure that the questions aren't in any way biased towards women or minorities
0: so then what's changing
1: so right now evaluation questions are focused more on gauging whether a student liked the course instead of if the teacher was successful and the student actually learned something Harbaugh said that this can be harmful to teachers, so that means questions are going to be tailored more towards what students are learning and which teaching methods they believed are the most effective. There have been propositions for in-class evaluations instead of online, as well as the idea of having students complete maybe only one evaluation for one professor per term. Ultimately, the Senate wants students to be honest and give teachers valuable information because... These course evaluations affect uh, job tenure and job security for professors, and they also determine raises.
0: The Senate is also looking for student input on evaluations and is hoping to engage students in this process at town hall meetings throughout the year. For our third story, UOPD is set to gain semi-automatic rifles, tasers, and a bomb-sniffing dog through a new program intended for use in critical and active threat situations on campus. Hannah Connick and Casey Crowley reported this story.
1: This was kind of an interesting announcement made Wednesday at the UO Faculty Senate meeting. Like you said, Alec, UOPD will be gaining semi-automatic, quote, patrol rifles, unquote, which will have high-capacity magazines and tasers that will activate body cameras when used. And there's also a bomb-sniffing dog. So The important things to know here are that these measures are for critical and active threats on campus and are designed to provide better accuracy and distance. The rifles are going to be locked up in gun safes inside the patrol cars. They're not actually on the officers. There will also be training for UOPD that includes training for accuracy, decision making, and how to handle both escalation and de-escalation of force. And This training will meet all current state requirements. The UOPD received $49,000 for the body cameras, which can be used manually but turn on automatically when the taser is used.
0: And it's also important to note that UOPD did previously have body cameras, but they were different models that were all in trial periods.
1: That's correct. They'll be properly trained for those as well. As for the bomb sniffing dog, it will be used with a handler and is intended to improve the campus safety and facilities and will not be what are considered bite dogs.
0: And that is all we have time for today. You can read more about all these stories online at DailyEmerald.com. My name is
1: Alec Cowan. And I'm Michael Tobin.
0: And if you'd like to hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, like our weekly football previews and exciting cover story podcasts, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage at DailyEmerald.com. Thanks for listening.